this morning uh, we are actually joining in with our great friends. I think I think I can call them our spiritual parents. That might be true. Um, with Vintage uh, LA, uh, who meet in Santa Monica, and uh, if you don't know, Gare, Gare really was instrumental in bringing Laura out to to. Um, Oh, it's Laura and me. <laughs> yeah, we both came uh, last year. <laughs> I forgot. Uh, instrumental in bringing us out here last year and uh, in really be, being so much behind all that you see and do here. Um, and so Gary is the, the lead pastor of the whole Vintage Network and lead pastor of Vintage Santa Monica. Um, so he's going to speak this morning. Hopefully you can see a TV screen. Hopefully you can see a screen in front of you. Um, so let me just pray. And, um, and then Gare, I think he's going to also pray and, and jump into God's word. So Lord, thank you for us. Thank you for this. And um, as Gare comes this morning, open up our hearts and our lives to hear what he wants to say. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, Vintage, it's great to be with you this morning. And why don't we pray as we come to God's word together? So, Lord, I thank you for your word. And I pray that through it we might encounter the risen Jesus. Lord, I pray for everyone, wherever they are, in their homes, on a walk, kind of staying with friends, or wherever, in L.A. or elsewhere. Lord, we thank you that you are with us by your spirit. And now we pray as we gather around your word. You meet us, you encourage us, you challenge us, and you guide us. We're here to meet with you as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, we are in a series called Matthew's Gospel, The Call to Deeper Discipleship. We feel that the Holy Spirit is leading us to press in to a deeper discipleship in the person of Jesus Christ. And we're going through Matthew's Gospel, and if you recall last week, we looked at what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus, but as King Jesus, that Jesus comes in the first two chapters of Matthew, where he comes as King of the universe. And to be a disciple of Jesus is therefore to accept him and follow him as king. This week, we're looking at chapters 3 and 4, and we see how Matthew continues that theme, not around the identity of Jesus as king, but the mission of Jesus as king. And so we're looking in these chapters what it means to be a disciple, not just of King Jesus, but to be a disciple of the mission of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, let's look at chapters 3 and 4 together. We're not going to run through the whole thing, it'll take a bit long, but I'm going to select verses as we go through this together. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 3, and we're going to begin in verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Down to verse 5. People went out to John the Baptist from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were being baptized by him in the river Jordan. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to also be baptized by John. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, the heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and resting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
over the next few verses, these temptations continue to happen until eventually, it says in verse 11, then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Verse 13, leaving Nazareth, Jesus went and lived in Capernaum, which was, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. And from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Then down to verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the, De the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. In these two chapters, Matthew continues the theme of Jesus as king, but he moves from identity to mission. He moves from what it means to be a disciple of King Jesus to being a disciple of the mission of King Jesus. And we're going to look at two questions. First of all, what is then the mission of King Jesus? What is it that we are called into? And then secondly, how do we do this? What does it mean for us to be part of the mission of King Jesus? The first then question is, what is this mission of Jesus? In verse 17, it says, Jesus preached one thing. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. That for Jesus, his mission was to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. That was the mission of King Jesus. I don't know about you, but this was not something that I grew up with as a familiar story of the message of Jesus. It sounds different to what we would say is this is the gospel. I love the gospel. We love the simple gospel. And we, we summarize the gospel like the main message of Christianity, the message of Jesus in these terms. And it was this. It was number one, God made you and wants to have a relationship with you. Number two, but your sin separates you from God. Number three, Jesus took the punishment for you on the cross. And number four, if you repent from your sins and turn to him, you'll be forgiven, you'll be accepted, and you'll spend eternity with him in heaven. This was the gospel. And I love the gospel. This is true. But I was confused, and maybe you are too. Like, How does this mesh with what Jesus is saying, that his main message was the kingdom of heaven has come near? And in fact, unless we look at what is going on here, we will struggle to understand what is our mission because unless we understand Jesus' message of the kingdom of heaven, we won't know what we're doing in our daily lives to join him in his mission. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. In simplifying the gospel, we've forgotten what Jesus' message was to bring heaven to earth. To really understand it, of course, Matthew knows that we have to go all the way back to the Old Testament to understand what Jesus is saying by the term kingdom of heaven is coming near. So let me just recap very quickly the story of the Old Testament, which is what we see is that God is the creator of humanity and he created them to have dominion over the world as his servants, as actually servants of the great king and God as king in the whole world. But rather than submitting to the king, 
To God, we submitted to ourselves. We put the crown of authority on our own heads and we rebelled. In some ways, it was cosmic treason of humanity against God. And the kingdom of Eden, as it was, fell into the hands of the serpent, Satan, who took control. And throughout then the whole world, we see this world under the dominion of what the Bible calls the prince of darkness, Satan. And darkness and evil is having its way. The story of the Bible then picks up after this great treason and this great tragedy in Genesis chapter 3 that God isn't going to abandon his world and his people and humanity to the destructive forces of sin and Satan. So he puts in place a plan to heal and renew and restore what's been broken. And we see this plan outworked in the beginnings through the people of Israel. The establishment of God's people and that they would start to discover what it means to live under his rule and his reign. But the story of the people of God never quite, never quite hits the hope that they want. We are still riddled in sin and we see this in the Old Testament that people can't quite hit what they hope to in the promises of God. And, but there is a promise in all the failings of the Old Testament and all the hopes of the Old Testament. There's a promise that one day a king would come and it would not just be another human king, but it would be a divine king. And this king would come to establish the kingdom of heaven in its purity, in its healing, in its freedom. This is the great prophecies of the Old Testament, that one day God would himself come as king to heal the world, to bring his kingdom back, to overthrow sin and Satan and bring love and light and truth back to this world. N.T. Wright puts it this way. God made promises throughout the Old Testament that one day he would indeed rescue them and put everything right. And these promises focused on one thing in particular. God would become king. King not only of Israel, but of the whole world. A king who would bring justice and peace at last. Who would turn the world upside down the right way up. There should be no king but God. God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, was what we all and they all longed for, prayed for, worked for, and waited for. And this is where Matthew's gospel begins in this waiting. As we saw last week, he announces the king that we're waiting for has arrived in King Jesus. And as what we're reading in chapter 3, we see it confirmed in John the Baptist. One of the oldest prophets of the time. In the Old Covenant, and it says that he was dressed in all these clothes that reminisced of the old prophets of the Old Testament, he declared, he's here. Look, Jesus has arrived, the one we're waiting for. John the Baptist confirms that Jesus is the king, the divine king to come and put the world back to right. What's interesting is you look at this whole passage, Jesus himself confirms it, not in his words, but in his actions. All through these chapters, everything he does is an echo of the stories of the Old Testament. And where Israel failed, Jesus succeeds. So do you remember the story of Israel in the Old Testament? That they were enslaved in Egypt and they came out and they were called the children of God. In fact, they were called the son of God as they came out of Egypt into freedom. Israel then passed through the waters of the Red Sea and the Jordan to cleanse them of their past and bring them into their future. Israel entered the wilderness for 40 years to be tested, but they succumbed. 
And then, of course, Israel defeated were to defeat their enemies as they enjoyed the promised land under the rule of a new king. This is the story of the Old Testament. And in this chapter, do you hear echoes of that with Jesus? Jesus comes to say, I am the true king. I represent Israel to be the king that you're longing for. Look, I fled, my parents fled to Egypt and I've come out of Egypt as Israel has. I've been baptized in the Jordan as Israel has. I've been tempted in the wilderness for 40 days and where Israel failed, I have succeeded. And in the rest of Matthew, we're going to see that Jesus defeats the ultimate Goliath on behalf of the people of God so that we may live under the rule of a new David, King Jesus. See, Jesus is retelling the story of Israel through himself as all those shadows of what could have been are now being fulfilled. Jesus is the king to bring his kingdom to earth, to heal all things, to bring forgiveness, reconciliation, justice to this broken world. That's why Jesus says, his message is the kingdom of God is near. The king has returned. That's why in verse 23, Jesus does what he does to demonstrate that the kingdom of God is actually now happening. It says Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. The king had come and the king had begun the work of healing and renewing this broken world. This is the gospel. This is the simple gospel that Christ has come as king to heal us, forgive us, to bring us back into community with himself, that we may join him then in bringing healing and renewing to this world. That's why he calls his 12 disciples. He says, look, I'm calling you because I'm calling you to join me in this, to be fishers of men, to go out and proclaim the good news to all and everywhere that the king has come and the king is renewing and redeeming all things. This is the mission of Jesus. It's not simply to come and die for our sins and whisk us off to heaven for eternity. It's to come and defeat the Goliath of this world, sin and Satan, that he may start renewing us and renewing this world and taking it back from the chaos and darkness that it's been under for so long. That's the mission of Jesus. But then what does it mean for us then to be disciples of this mission? To be disciples of King Jesus? I want to summarize our response in three words. In fact, these are the challenges and the words that Jesus gives to us. Jesus calls us, Jesus challenges us, and Jesus empowers us. As disciples, he's calling us, he's challenging us, and he's empowering us. Firstly, we see that King Jesus calls us into his mission. Calls us into his mission. Verse 18, come, Follow me and I will send you out to be fishers of men. King Jesus calls us into his mission. He's not calling us into just a personal relationship. He's not calling us into just a way to have our sins forgiven and spend eternity with him. He's calling us into his mission. To be a disciple of Jesus is to be a missionary disciple. To join with Jesus in renewing this world. That's why in chapter 10, we'll look at this in a few weeks, Jesus calls the 12 disciples, it says, and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, he says. The call of a disciple is to join with Jesus in the mission of the king. 
Well, what does this look like for you and for me? Well, look again back at verse 23. It says, Jesus taught in their synagogues, proclaimed the good news of the kingdom, and healed every disease and sickness. In other words, as I summarize it, you've got the mission of Jesus to proclaim Jesus to others, evangelism, to teach them, to disciple them, to bring them into all that God's got for them, and then to heal society, to take out the good news of Jesus in word and deed to our society all around us. Evangelism, discipleship, and renewal. That is the mission of the disciple of Jesus. David Pitches wrote this. He said, Every time someone turns to Christ in repentance and faith, finding forgiveness, freedom, and eternal life, the kingdom of God is extended. Each time Jesus heals, casts out demons, prevents destruction, or raises the dead, the kingdom of God is advanced. Every healing or deliverance in the name of Jesus is a curbing of the enemy's powers, and the frontiers of darkness are pushed back. The process of driving out still continues today, and we are all meant to be actively involved in it. Evangelism, discipleship, renewal. As you know, at Vintage, we want to join God in the mission of what he's doing in the world. We love to tell others about Jesus, humbly, lovingly, conversationally, not shoving it down people's throats, not just unlovingly, telling them about Jesus, but actually to come alongside people, as Jesus came alongside us, to invite them into a conversation that they may discover King Jesus. Discipleship. We all come to God broken, don't we? We all come to God with so many wounds from the past and so many things that we want to get rid of. And the joy of discipleship, as Jesus calls his disciples unto him, we grow into his likeness and we grow into freedom. We grow into healing. Lizzie and I have had just the great joy this last few months of going on an intentional discipleship journey through the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course. And so much of that course has been an opportunity for the Spirit of God to heal us, and particularly me, to bring me into Christ-likeness and things I thought were okay, but I've been discipled and set free. But of course, renewal. Jesus went out and healed the sick. He went out to break down barriers of racism and prejudice. He went out to bring justice and mercy. And that is the mission of the church, to join with Jesus, to roll out his victory on the cross into every area of society. In your work, in your community, in your neighborhood, in your family, in your vocation, wherever God has placed you, is to be an ambassador and agent of King Jesus and his kingdom. Daniel Darling writes this, he says, we've been told to illuminate the kingdom of God to the world. And in our lives, we show what the kingdom is like. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is good news to the poor, the captives, the blind. So we are to go into the world as healing agents, renewing, cultivating, restoring. We show the world a glimpse of the future kingdom of God. That is what we're called up into, the privilege of calling. Someone once helped me where I had the question of, well, where do I start? Where, what area of life is God calling me into? And they said, look, yeah, think of it this way. You're calling by God to be an agent of his kingdom is where your talents and your burden intersect. Where your, your God-given gifts and your holy burden in God, where they come together, that's where God is calling you to be his disciple on mission, to bring the good news of his kingdom to bear. 
I wonder where God is calling you to be his agent of love and mercy and peace to establish the kingdom of God. But Jesus doesn't just call us, he challenges us. You see, Jesus starts out his message with repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This word repent is a challenge. And it's been misused so much. I'm not too sure it's a word that we kind of like to use because it's been so misused. And it really is something that just is guilt-ridden. We just think, oh, repent is to feel really sorry for all the bad things I've done in my life and to feel shame. And that's not what repent means at all. Jesus didn't go around shaming people. He came to say repent, and repent actually just means to turn away from the things that are bringing you shame, to turn away from the things of destruction, and to come to Jesus, to the one who brings you life. It literally means to turn around. And of course, Jesus is saying to turn around means to turn around from your own sense of being in charge to follow King Jesus, to turn away from your own autonomy, to surrender to him. But in this chapter, we see it's also saying to the disciples, repent, turn around from just pursuing your own ambitions in life to now coming into the mission that I have for you, to become fishers of men. To repent is to recognize Jesus as king and to accept his calling in your life to seek first the kingdom of God in all things. N.T. Wright said this, he says, Jesus was declaring that God's kingdom, the sovereign rule of heaven, is approaching now like an express train. And those who were standing idly by had better take note and either get out of the way or get in the way. God's kingdom meant danger as well as hope. If justice and peace are on the way, those who have twisted justice or disturbed peace may be in trouble. They had better get their act together while there's time. Matthew would want us to know that the kingdom which Jesus established through his own work and his death and resurrection now faces us with a challenge. Are we working to extend God's kingdom in the world or are we standing in its way? It's so easy for me to wake up some days and think, oh my word, I'm standing in the way. I'm not actually a disciple of the mission of Jesus. I'm a disciple of Project Self. I'm a disciple of just making much of my life in the world, actually putting my desires above everyone else's desires. I'm a disciple of the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. And therefore, repentance, I find, is a daily activity to come back and to recalibrate my heart around, actually, my life is here to serve King Jesus to see his glory fill this world, to see this world healed in his name. Jesus calls us, Jesus challenges us, and thirdly, Jesus empowers us. I don't know about you, but at this point now, I'm thinking, hang on, how on earth am I going to do the same things that Jesus did? How on earth can Jesus say, you now do this stuff? I'll be with you, but you now do it. That's Jesus, it's not me. Jesus couldn't do it. Of course Jesus can do it because he's God, but it's not me. And that's why Matthew gives us this amazing story of Jesus' baptism. Look at this story again, because in this baptism, we see that Jesus, through this story, is saying that actually he wants to empower us to do the things that he did. Look at verse 16. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and resting on him. 
Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And it was through this anointing of the Holy Spirit that Jesus performed the works of the kingdom. That's why there's great hope for us, because John the Baptist said back in verse 11, the same spirit that Jesus has received, he's going to baptize you with. The same Jesus, so the same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus, empowers us when we receive the fullness of the Spirit. Now, there's been a conversation which I've had in my mind, maybe you've had in your mind, well, hang on a minute, Jesus did his miracles surely out of his own divinity, not out of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's this been conversation of what was the source of Jesus' miracles? And as we've seen, it's, the Bible makes it clear, Matthew makes it clear, it was he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so there's this mystery here that whilst Jesus remained divine, he only drew on the power of the Holy Spirit to outwork the works of his kingdom. Sam Storms, a great theologian, put it this way. He said, it isn't that God the Son has ceased to be God while he walked and ministered on the earth, but rather he voluntarily and willingly suspended the independent exercise of those divine attributes that would have been incompatible with his living as an authentic human life, independence on the Holy Spirit. Jesus was fully human and lived and ministered as a human being who drew on the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit to preach with power and heal the sick and cleanse lepers and raise the dead. He was also simultaneously fully God, fully divine, but it wasn't by virtue of his divine nature a second person of the triune Godhead, that he lived and ministered and taught and healed. But by virtue or on the basis of his constant conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. In this way, Jesus has given us an example of how God wants us to live and minister. As human beings who draw our strength and continuously derive our power from the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. Jesus calls you into his ministry. Jesus challenges you to turn away from the smaller stories of life and he empowers you with his Holy Spirit to do the things that Jesus did. As we end this morning, I wonder what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Is he calling you away from casting your net and just going about your business, is he calling you into the purposes that he has for you? Is there something in you that you think, you know what, I know God's calling me into this. Some he's challenging, some he's actually confronting, going, what are you going to decide to do with your life? King Jesus has arrived, and in that arrival is a confrontation. Are you going to reject him or are you going to accept him? And thirdly, all of us, I think, need to come and say, Holy Spirit, fill me, that we may join with Jesus in what he's doing in the world. So I love you wherever you are, just to close your eyes, and we're going to just invite the Holy Spirit to come and just to fill us, to empower us, to do the things that Jesus did, to join King Jesus in the mission of King Jesus. So let's just close our eyes wherever you are, don't be embarrassed. Just close your eyes and I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come.
So, Father, we just ask you, send your Holy Spirit now. We just come to you in utter dependence to step into our calling. But we need your empowering. We need your spirit to be the church you've called us to be, to be the people you've called us to be. So come, Holy Spirit. We're just going to linger, just rest. We're not going to rush away. But just in this silence, just let everything go. Maybe it is you need to just confess and say sorry for some things, to literally turn around and repent. Just to get those things out of you that you may be filled with his spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We're going to turn to worship now. And as we worship, just continue to open your heart to Jesus, to fill you with his spirit. Surrender to him as king. Let's worship together.